What's up, guys? Welcome to a week seven edition of Chargers Weekly. Chris Harry here with you. Bolts coming off the bye, playing the Jacksonville Jaguars this Sunday at SoFi Stadium. Coming up a little bit later, a Beat Writers Roundtable, Jeff Miller, LA Times, Fernando Ramirez, Sports Illustrated, and Joe Reedy of the Associated Press going to join me. We'll also see what's on the menu presented by Subway with the voice of the Chargers, Matt Money-Smith. But first, a Hall of Fame wide receiver who will be in the booth this Sunday to call Chargers Jags, the great James Lofton. All right, my first guest will be in the booth this Sunday for Chargers Jags, the Hall of Famer. James Lofton joins me here on Chargers Weekly. And James, it's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, I'm excited to get you to SoFi Stadium for the first time. Well, I'm excited to be there. It's kind of ironic. When I was a kid growing up right there on the Los Angeles-Inglewood border, I used to jog around the fabulous forum and come back and be right by Hollywood Park, which is actually where SoFi Stadium actually sits now. So I'm excited. I've driven by it while it was under construction, and it looked like a big spaceship had landed. So uh, I'm excited about going into that spaceship for the ball game. Yeah, it's a spaceship with with a lot of bells and whistles. So it's and it's you know what it's one of those places where you're never gonna forget it, and you're probably gonna have to go several times just to see all of it. So uh, we're excited for Sunday, and you know this Chargers team coming off an unexpected buy. They've lost four straight James, but but there is a silver lining to this. I think they found their franchise quarterback in Justin Herbert. I think they have too, but I think Anthony Lynn would tell you that he would have rather played not as well offensively and won some of those games because they really have looked good on offense. And it's just been perplexing with some of the ways that you lose ball games. And I think that's just eats at all the Charger fans right now. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's either maybe turnovers or, or a missed field goal or an inopportune interception. Yeah. Um, and sometimes those losing uh, games come in bunches, but so does winning. What do you think the Chargers need to do to just get back on track and stay the course here? Yeah, and I think that that's the key to stay the course. Uh, during the offseason, when the Chargers decided to let Melvin Gordon go and they move along to Austin Eckler, who had just, just continued to impress people with his play from the first day he got here uh, being an undrafted free agent small college you know guy kind of you kind of yawn about oh well I I don't think that guy's gonna make the team then he finally makes a team well he's not gonna make a big impact finally makes a big impact and it was funny during hard knocks when they did that little box jump drill and nobody else could do it I mean that's where you realize leg strength it doesn't, you know, most running backs are not 6'2", 240 pounds like Derrick Henry of the Tennessee Titans. Most running backs are in that 5'8 to 5'10 category, very shifty. They try not to get hit with direct blows. And Austin Eckler was just so good in the open space. And then he proved to be a good runner in between the tackles, too. So that's a big loss because I think it was one of the team leaders that they lost. He was, and he's that that do-it-all type of player, catch the ball out of the backfield. They're going to have to make up with with Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly in the backfield. And then a a position you know pretty well, those wide receivers, not only were were you a pretty good one, but you also had a a position as the wide receivers coach for the Chargers. When you look at this unit led by Keenan Allen, let's just start with Keenan. Can you describe just how good of a player he is, James? Well, the, the first thing about Keenan Allen, and, and I started watching him when he was at Cal Berkeley. You know, I played in the Pac-8, he played in the Pac-12, but you're always watching those guys who are kind of, you know, you have a kinship with because you played in the same conference. Oh, yeah. And the fact that he played with his brother at quarterback, what that made me realize is he's not going to argue with a quarterback. You know, they're going to get along because they have to go home together. So his relationship with quarterbacks is is very friendly, even from his rookie year when he went over 1,000 yards. And the only thing that held him back were a couple of injuries here and there, but he's overcome all of those. And to describe him as just simply a possession receiver would be the worst thing in the world because possession receiver used to be a guy who wasn't fast. What I call Keenan Allen, and I was searching for it all this week, is a control receiver. By that I mean – he can control the game, and he dictates what the defense has to do, and if they don't do the right thing, he is going to abuse them, and he does it week in and week out. 
He really does. And Justin Herbert has found that rapport with him early and often. But what I, I find so fascinating with, with Herbert is he's been able to elevate the play of not only his stars in, in Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Hunter Henry, but, you know, you go back a couple of weeks ago, Tyron Johnson and, and Jalen Guyton and uh, Donald Parham, the tight end. I mean, these are guys who had very limited reps or they hadn't even played in an NFL game. Um, just how unique is that to see a, a rookie quarterback kind of take the controls, make the vets happy, but also elevate some of the, the younger guys? What it does is it makes us scramble for the media guy because we go, who are these guys? <laughs> That's right. That's and right. And you're Googling their name to find out what kind of success they had in high school and how they were in college. But, but you're right. Somebody who makes everybody else around them better. Uh, Magic Johnson did it years ago with the Los Angeles Lakers, and he was one of those first players in, in my era of watching sports, and that goes back to the late 70s, that I saw, man, he makes everybody else around him better. And that's what you're looking for, whether that guy's a quarterback, whether he's a middle linebacker, how does he affect everybody else around him? And it seems like Justin Herbert is affecting these guys in the right way. You flip it to defense, and James, really, injuries, I know, no excuse, but they've been hit pretty hard. And, you know, the hope is they're able to get a couple of guys back this week in, in Melvin Ingram and Justin Jones. Uh, what have you seen from this Chargers defense? I go back to just a couple of months ago, and we were talking about guys like Erwin James and yeah. Drew Tranquil and, and guys who are really going to contribute to this defense in a positive way. Um, injuries have really hurt them, but hopefully they get a couple of guys back on Sunday. Well, sometimes you look around the league and you look at different positions and say, okay, who's the best player? Then you go, okay, who are the top five players and who are the top ten players? And arguably between Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, they had top ten pass rushers. Bosa might be all the way up to number one or number three, or, and then Melvin Ingram was right there. And then Derwin James, they probably had the best strong safety in the league the most intimidating guy, a guy that I always thought that, you know, you hear a quarterback come up to the line of scrimmage and he goes, Mike is 54, Mike is 52. When you played against the Chargers, they'd come up and say, Derwin James is over there. That's right. He's away from me. So he was such a dominating player that you had to adapt. The, the team has had to adapt for the second time with an injury to him. And I think they've done really well with, with Gus Bradley because what I watch when I watch this team play is there's the relentless pursuit of the football. It doesn't matter which 11 guys are on the field. This team comes to play, and they don't leave anything in the locker room. And, you know, they have a test in the Jags. The Jags are 1-5, but they've been in games, and I know you've been familiar. You've called a game or two of theirs this year. Uh, what do you see from the Jags coming into Los Angeles for the first time, actually, the, the Jacks have never played an NFL game in Los Angeles, I believe, and they're going to do it on Sunday. Well, we, I met with their head coach via uh, Zoom today, and he said he's not coming out like he normally would. He would normally come out on Friday. But because of COVID and, and all the protocols, the players couldn't leave the hotel. They wouldn't be able to walk around and, and breathe the fresh air and get relaxed. So they're actually arriving pretty late for what I think. They're arriving around 7 p.m on Saturday wow. and you're going to turn. And so you, you bring them in late. You hope that guys go to sleep, get a little extra rest the next morning, but it, it's a quick turnaround for their team. And they've got such a young team. So these players who have been in the league for one or two years, I think they started the season with 16 rookies on the active roster. And that's a league high. So a lot of guys playing for the first time and it, and it shows they make some mistakes on the field that they shouldn't make. They're out of position sometimes when they should be in position. So they, they have some challenges, but they have a scrappy quarterback in Gardner Minshew, the, the beard and the stash and all that. <laughs> and he is a kid who loves football. And he pointed out the fact that when he faced Justin Herbert in college, his team won. That's right, a pair of Pac-12 quarterbacks going head-to-head -head on Sunday. James, I'll get you out of here on this. Just your overall reaction to this NFL season, not only as a broadcaster and, and you know, you guys are calling games in empty stadiums or uh, mostly empty stadiums, but also all the adjustments and uh, things that these 32 teams have to deal with really on a daily basis. It seems like every day is different and you have to adapt and the teams that adapt the best probably have the best chance of getting to the postseason. 
And the one thing I thought about when this season was starting is to be flexible because you, you, you go to a place where there are tons of hurricanes and the big trees that have been there for a hundred years are the ones that get snapped over. The little ones that have been there for three or four years, they bend and they go with the wind and they're okay. So as a head coach, you've got to be flexible. You can't say, we've always done it this way. This is the way we're going to do it. That's not the case. Talking to coaches around the league, you're meeting with Zoom calls. You're doing things with a computer that you never thought you'd do before. And players are adapting. You know why? Because players love to play and they want to be out there and they're really happy that they can get out there and do their job. No question. And I think these players, you got to give them a lot of credit for, uh, you know, staying the course, um, living by these protocols, because like you said, it, you said it best, they want to play. And, uh, and that's what you have to do to, to stay on the field. Correct. It, it really is. And I just think that what you also realize is how short NFL careers are. You know, you, you can talk to a guy who played 16 years and he's 37 years old when he finishes playing, he's got another 45 years to live. So that career you have to really appreciate it, and it really is day-to-day. Unfortunately, almost every weekend in the NFL season, somebody plays the last play of their career because of injury or because they get cut or waived or whatever. So you really have to cherish the moments that you get on the field and get on the field with your teammates. Yeah, you can't take it for granted. And, James, I can't thank you enough for your time. Looking forward to seeing you on Sunday at SoFi Stadium, really in your backyard. So I I would love to get your reaction. When you're driving up and you're seeing that stadium, you're probably going to think about when you were a kid. You know, the funny thing about not having fans and the great thing about it is it's a lot easier driving to the stadium and getting through all the parking. (laughs) Traffic's not so bad, right? (laughs) Not bad at all. James, thank you so much, sir. You bet. Thank you for having me. All right, Bolts fans, this season, Pizza Hut, they're hooking it up with the Bolt to the Hut bundle deal that includes an exclusive Chargers poster. For $14.99, Chargers fans will receive a large three-topping pizza and a Chargers poster. Right now, it's the Hunter Henry poster that's available. Collect all six posters throughout the season. Visit PizzaHut.com deals and enter your zip code to see if your local Pizza Hut is participating in the greater LA area. Offers available for pickup or delivery while supplies last. All right, we do it every week. Time to see what's on the menu presented by Subway with the voice of the Chargers, Matt Money-Smith. And Money, if there was ever a time to get your season back on track, you're coming off a bye, getting some guys back, playing the Jacksonville Jaguars who have lost five straight at home, SoFi Stadium, time to take care of business. No question. You know, and I, I think back, you know, three years when, when Coach Lynn, you know, was, was in his inaugural season, team starts out zero and four, finishes nine and seven and misses out on the playoffs due to a tiebreaker. So, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the same players are around and, and they went through it and, and they know how quickly things can turn around and how quickly you can get on a run uh, versus how quickly things can pile up and snowball the other direction on you. So you mentioned get healthy, you know, with, with Melvin Ingram and Justin Jones and a lot of these guys perhaps ready to go for this game on Sunday. We'll see if that comes to fruition. You feel like this, you know, especially the way the schedule lakes out. I mean, look, the, the Broncos just showed you last week against the Pats. No team is easy, you know, as they'll get them in yeah. two weeks. But this is your stretch, right? You get um, you get the Jaguars who are certainly struggling, and now they're dealing with some serious injuries. Uh, you get the Broncos and, and Drew Locke again. You know, I know a lot of people are trying to anoint him, and they're almost trying to speak it into existence that, that he is definitely the guy Still hasn't quite shown it yet, you know, throwing those two picks in a, in a field goal game against the Pats. And then you get the Dolphins to his third start as he tries to kind of figure it out as a rookie. And, and the Raiders at home, like to me, that's that quadrant. You know, Coach always likes to talk about quarters, first quarter, second quarter. So I just almost look at that as its own quarter. And if you can go 4-0 and on that quarter and, and get out of that at 5-4, at and four, I think you'll feel pretty darn good, you know, going into that Jet game the next week and kind of start that next run. There's no question. And, you know, I didn't get to talk to you after the Monday night game. What did you see in that game that that needs to be corrected come Sunday? And obviously, you know, this team is getting out to hot starts. They're getting up 17 points on teams back to back, but they haven't been able to close in the second half. And I can't put my finger on exactly what it means to close. This team did it in 2018. They haven't really done it since. Well, I think there's a lot of them. I mean, one, because I, I thought I saw the field goal go through. Um, I think that's that's 
when, when you're in this many tight games, uh, it's, is it fair to put it on Mike Badgley? No, but you got to have a kicker that makes kicks. You know, yeah. when, when you routinely find, you know, when you go back and what's the stat that everybody shared? Oh, three and 13 in one score games. Well, if that's the kind of football that you're playing and there's a pretty darn large sample size and we've already got it this year, right? Five one score games, two in overtime. You better have a kicker that can make kicks. And I know 50 is a long way, but it's indoors. There's no crowd. It's perfect conditions. That's got to go through. And the extra points got to go through. So I think that's, you know, and, and obviously Mike knows that. And, you know, he, he certainly has shown in years past that he is capable of being one of the best kickers in the league. So he's got to get that right because it appears as though that's the kind of football this team's going to play. So your kicker's got to make kicks. Um, two, there was just a lull. You know, the offense just kind of went into this funk and it happened against the Buccaneers as well for about a quarter and a half where they show you so many great things and they're scoring on every seemingly every drive. And then all of a sudden you kind of get this weird sort of moment, uh, not, not moment, but you get this weird stretch. And, and we saw it again against the Saints. We saw it against the Bucs. We saw it against the Saints where they just, you know, if you're, it's like you just need that one more score to, yeah. to make it that two, two and a half score game. Um, and they're not able to get there in the second half. So I think that's the second part. And then third, I, I think, you know, you just look at the, the touchdown uh, by Jared Cook, and, and you think about, my gosh, if Duran if was here, that never happens. Like, no. that's just – that's where you miss the veterans on defense when it's, you know, Nasir – I think it was what? It was Kaiser, it was Kenneth Murray. And, yeah, I, and I watched Nassi. that play this morning just to, to, to look at some of the stuff that happened in, in that second half. And, yeah, those are the types of things that, that can't happen in the second yeah. half of the game when you have a lead. And to your point, had number 33 been in there, that would have been erased. Yeah, and that's and that's I think what they you know you and you understand that you understand that with Kenneth Murray and there's so many great splash plays for Murray and you're like man when this guy figures it out holy cow is he going to be the idea of like he and Derwin out there and Nas out there next year is darn exciting um, those three with of course you know you don't have to mention Joey and, and the defensive line but I mean when you just think about those three players with that athleticism and the the ball tracking skills and the closing skills holy cow that's going to be fun to watch but like you know it's things like that that. They jump out at you. Um, also, I, I, you know, and I know Coach mentioned it. I would just on these third and longs, man. I would love to see more pressure. I just it, it feels like the zones are breaking down. Um, I, I'd love to see more man in those situations. Send an extra guy and just see because it feels like all season long they've just been able to find the soft spot. You know, on third yeah. and longs, they've been able to figure out. And, and look, it's. Drew Brees, it's Tom Brady, it's it's Patrick Mahomes. I get that. You know, a lot of times they're going to win. They, they, that offense is probably going to be defense defense most of the time. But I think that's that's something that I wouldn't mind seeing adjusted a little bit. Just you know, get up, press him. You know, jam. You know, get Kenneth Murray on Jared Cook and let him freaking try to knock him off his route the first couple steps because Brees is such a timing quarterback. Um, I, I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more of that. And maybe you get that when you get Melvin Ingram and Justin Jones back and you can do that a little bit more consistently. Listen, I, last week I asked the beat writers, and this is it's a hypothetical because all these guys are extremely important to the team, but who do you think you would rather have come back Sunday if you could only pick a pair, right? Melvin Ingram, Justin Jones, or Brian Bulaga, Trey Turner. Granted, both guys or both pairs are extremely important to this team. But, but what do you think the Chargers need the most? Is it that pressure or is it that protection of Herbert? Well, you know, look, I, I know this probably isn't going to come out the right way, but it is what it is. I mean, it's I, I don't think it's even close. It's it's Balaga and Turner um, just because, look, it's depth. And I know Pipkins is young and, um, you know, St. Louis and Groyer doing the best they can. But that is a dramatic drop off from Pro yeah. Bowl, you know, five consecutive Pro Bowl, Trey Turner and them, you know, at the guard and. And Brian Belaga, who's one of the best in the business and was the best offensive lineman for the Chargers before he went down. That's that's a dramatic drop. To me, Chen has been great, you know, and, yeah. and, and Linval Joseph is so good that you're seeing whoever's next to him is able to have an impact. You know, whether it's Isaac Rochelle, who had a great game, I thought, last week, you know, or, or if it's Jerry Tillery, you know, th that's less of a drop off. So to me, it's. It's not necessarily about how talented Melvin Ingram is and Justin Jones is now, you know, making that step, but it's more about who's in their place, you know, and I thought Chenna and, and um, you know, what, what, whoever it was, if it was Isaac or if it was, if it was Jerry Tillery, I thought they were okay. You know, that, that was all right. You know what, but what's funny is right. Like you think about now, if those two come back, it's not just 
the fall off. It's the ability to get have to have depth in a game, not yeah. for an entire game, Stay but fresh. inside. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So you just you're rotating. Two of those guys are on the field at all times. Bosa or Ingram are on the field at all times. You know, and that's you know when you think about that, that's where you really get excited about. Oh, they. The defensive line, you know, the offensive line of the opponent can never take a break because of that six-man rotation once you get it back. Yeah, and let's just face it, Jerry Tiller is going to be a better player when Melvin Ingram is right yeah. beside him, right? I mean, yeah. it's, it's clear that, that these guys need each other uh, to, to be successful. You, you know what? The Pac-12, you got to see Gardner Minshew versus Justin Herbert a couple of times out here on the West Coast. We get that uh, on Sunday, and, you know, we saw Minshew last year. Chargers won 45-10. He has these games, man, where he he's pretty sneaky, but uh, this is a game where the Chargers defense going to have to show up and, and slow him down. No question. And, look, they've been they've been struggling, you know, these last couple. It was an exciting first couple weeks. But I think the, the, the Jaguars are settling to what we thought they were going to be, which is a team that's rebuilding and a team that's pretty darn excited about all those first-round draft picks they're going to have this coming season, you know, and, and it's a very young defense. And, and I think Josh Allen's going to be out. So, you know, you lose your best, arguably your best player on defense uh, from an already very young defense. So um, this is, this is a game that I would hope looks a lot like that did last year. Um, it, I, I think it should be lopsided. I, I think, you know, the, especially, you know, in the health situation, if they do get some offensive line help back, if they do get some defensive line help back, I'd like to see this be, you know, a comfortable game for Justin Herbert, you know, and not one where he's asked to do so much to, to get a win um, after building a big lead. So especially if Justin Jones is, you know, if Justin Jackson's going to run like he like he did last week, you know, if, and, and having Mike Williams back, you see the impact that had. So it's it, I, that's. Look, I don't like saying it. It's the NFL. Every team is good. And you saw what the Jaguars were able to do to the Colts in week one. But to me, this this should be a game that that the Chargers are able to get get away and get comfortable and, and get that win and hope that that snowballs and they can build on it for the following week. Money, final thing for you. We, we've talked about Justin Herbert so much the last four weeks, but uh, we had this buy in between. What he was able to do against New Orleans, and you mentioned the offensive line. Uh, just I, I, I go back to that first touchdown to Keenan, where he, you know he, he gets kind of a, a bobbly snap, rolls right. Um, he's doing this without the, the guys on, on the right side that you know Tom Telesco made a point to get this offseason to Trey Turner and Brian Bulaga. Uh, I've just I've been so impressed with not only him getting it to, to guys who. I haven't really played in an NFL game from Tyron Johnson to Parham, but, but really relying on his stars on Monday Night Football. And you mentioned Mike Williams. That connection, man, we hadn't really seen that. And we got a sneak preview of what that could be for the next five to seven years here in Los Angeles. I mean, you, you know, the, we're out of superlatives already. And he's played four games in his career. And he hasn't even won one yet, you know. know. But you – that touchdown pass to Keenan was ridiculous. I mean, that the, the pressure was on him immediately on the right side. So he's now got to roll out to some degree, pirouette a little bit, get away from that. His feet, he almost gets, you know, they almost get his feet. So he's now stumbling, rolling to his right. He's got to reset and fires across his body, not all the way across to the middle of the field, but still across his body to a streaking Keenan who is covered tightly, by the way. And he puts it right between the numbers. It's just, it's, it, 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 the thing I think with Herbert that, that gets people is we didn't see this at, at Oregon. He was kind of a one read guy and he was a one read tuck it and run because Cristobal, you just feel like maybe pounded into his head. You can't mess up no matter what our defense is good enough. Our running game is good enough. The only thing you can't do is turn it over. And that's why we saw so many of those passes aimed and directed and he never just quite cut loose. So I give, you know, Shane Steichen and, and Papa, a ton of credit for yeah. rewiring him and saying, it's okay. You know, it, you're, it's the NFL. There's really good defensive backs out there. The windows are tight. They're going to get you every now and then, but you've got enough talent. you got the arm. You've got the mobility. You've got, the, you know, the stature. I mean, he's shaking guys off like it's nothing. I mean, that – I don't remember what pass it was, but there was a play when he got away from Cam Hayward – I'm Cam Hayward, from Cam Jordan, who was yeah. right in his face. I mean, this is one of the best pass rushers of the last 10 years in the league – and he's got him dead to rights, and he's able to escape. I think it was a third down pass too. And um, that's that's the thing about Herbert, you know, is is in the biggest moments. Just think about the game winning drive. What should have been the game winning drive? That pass to Mike Williams on the left sideline was just it's just <laughs> stupid. The catch was stupid, but the the, the throw yeah. was just as stupid. <laughs> yeah. It's it's 
you know, and it's four games in. And I think that's one of the reasons why um, I think it's one of the reasons why the Dolphins, you know, went to two of this week, even though they're playing the Rams and Aaron Donald can certainly wreck everything you want to do. And you, you hate to expose a quarterback in his first start to that dominant force. But I think they're seeing what Joe Burrow and what Justin Herbert are doing. And they're like, you know what? These kids are so much better now coming in than they were before that you're better off just, you know, and I don't, I don't mean it because I know coach doesn't want to hear it. Tom Telesco certainly doesn't want to hear it, but man, even with four losses, these reps are invaluable for Herbert. They are just planting no the seed and that. building a foundation headed toward 2021 of, Oh, I can do this. This is the NFL. I'm, I'm good. You know? And, and, and I think that's why, you know, I think, a lot of Charger fans that I interact with are much, it's, these losses are much different than losses last year. You know, yeah. they are, they, they understand they're building towards something and you hope that it's building toward what begins this week. And that's a run here against teams with losing records um, in, in the Broncos, the Jaguars, the Jets, and the, well, the Dolphins are 500. The Raiders have, you know, a game over 500, but you know what I'm getting at. This is a stretch where hopefully I think in best case, it pays off right now over these next five, um, you know, worst case, you're building toward what's a darn exciting 2021 and, and a high draft pick for maybe that next elite receiver or offensive lineman in, in the first round. That's the thing, money uh, losses can certainly feel different, right? You yeah. can, you can lose four in a row and be like, we're not going anywhere. Or you could be, listen, we've lost four in a row, but we found our franchise quarterback and yeah. this kid has kept us in every game. And like you said, this is the stretch where you can really flip your season around. You have an extra playoff team in the AFC and NFC this year. You never know what can happen, but right. you know it, it's it's enough talking about it. You got to do it on Sunday, and if they can do it, get on a little bit of a roll. It, yeah. it could be a, a fun final uh, eleven games here. And I think we said it last week, but I'll say it again for people that just don't know because it is a weird tiebreaker. Just remember, you know, all these losses are against the NFC. Which, if you're going to lose games, those That's are it. the games to lose. So now you go on a stretch where Jags AFC, Broncos AFC, Raiders AFC, Dolphins AFC, Jets AFC. That's five in a row. You win those, and that's how you win tiebreakers when you're all 10 and 6 or 9 and 7, and you got the best record against the AFC from all of those groups. That's that's how you get into the playoffs is that last seventh team, you know. So these these games, believe it or not, are considerably more important than the ones against the, the Bucks and the Saints. Um, and, and that's why, and the Panthers, you know, those three losses in a row. So these, these are the ones to win. I'd, I'd love to see it get started here on Sunday. Yeah, and if it does, then you, you kind of go to the next step, right, where you haven't won a division game since you went to Denver in 2018 in week 17. So right. maybe full circle, you get your first division win in a while because those are the games that I, I'm telling you, those are the ones that I think we're all going to be having a spotlight on because they have to yeah. win in the division. Of course, it's important to be Jacksonville, but – you better be ready to rock against Denver in a couple of weeks as well. No question. Yeah, no question. It's set up. I mean, it's certainly set up for him, especially if these, you know, his players are healthy and coming off IR here, thanks to uh, a strip, well, a buy that ended up working out for him, you know, if that's yeah. how it, if that's how it plays out. Think came at the right time. Uh, Matt Money Smith, we do it every week, man. I always love doing it. And uh, I will see you at SoFi Stadium on Sunday, my friend. Exactly right. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it, bud. All right, Chargers fans, before we get to our Beat Writers Roundtable, access to school meals is more important than ever as one in four students are now facing food insecurity. That is why Subway is teaming up with America's Dairy Farmers and Fuel Up to Play 60 this fall to raise money to help fight hunger in our local community. Head to your local Subway store before November 30th and donate your spare change at the register to Fuel Up to Play 60 to help tackle hunger and make sure that local LA students have access to the nutrition they need. All right, guys, let's close Chargers Weekly with another Beat Riders Roundtable. Fernando Ramirez, Sports Illustrated Roundtable debut, my man. How are you? Hey, Chris, I'm great. Uh, great company. Uncle Joe, Jeff Miller, you. Let's have some fun. I'm, I'm excited. It's, it, it's going to be a great weekend. I feel like, it, uh, I feel like this weekend's going to be a great weekend. Uncle wow. Joe, Associated Press. Joe Ritty, what's up, buddy? Nothing much. Uh, I kind of feel like you had to flash in a flashy line, and this is more like your fourth uh, checking line uh, <laughs> with Fernando, me, and Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Miller, LA Times. Jeff, you know, Jeff has, has been on these roundtables quite a bit. Uh, I, I, I like the mix-up. I, I like kind of mixing and matching, and I want to do this throughout the rest of the season. And I, and I thought this would be a nice, a nice uh, four-boxer. 
You know, the thing I love about these, Chris, is no matter who's in the panel, who's on here, I'm always the best looking guy. So <laughs> I love it. Well, let's kick it off with the best looking, Jeff. Uh, week six, unexpected by. The more I think about it, man, I think it was the best thing for this team. Losing four straight, a bunch of injuries. Now you have an extra week to heal, kind of self-assess what's going on here. And even though you got to play 11 straight games, you got a lot in front of you. Uh, a favorable schedule here starting with the Jags. Yeah, I think they uh, this team needed a, a break from the losing. They needed a break from the injuries. and So I, I, th I think it worked out well that way. Now, as a few of them have said to us here the last few days, is it, we get to week 10 and 11, we're going to be like, oh, man, we can use that bye week that we're supposed to have right here. But, uh, you know, that's just the trade-off. And I, But I think – if there ever a team needed a break, it was it was this team, and they, you know, and they need a break in terms of a, of time, and they also need a break in terms of have some luck go their way. So, so maybe maybe they'll be able to turn it on here. Like you mentioned, the schedule is is more favorable. It's uh, obviously starts with a about the softest touch they're going to have uh, maybe all season, other than perhaps the Jets was is going to be Jacksonville. And, but we know this team. That doesn't mean anything. That that still means it's probably going to come down to the the fourth quarter on Sunday, and and uh, they're certainly due to pull one of these out, though. Yeah, you, you never want to look uh, overlook anybody, and and you can't overlook the Jags, Joe. Um, I, I feel like the theme this week when you talk to the players and coaches is just like, hey, we haven't been able to play our brand of ball in closed games. We have to show enough talking about. We have to show that we can close games starting on Sunday against Jackson. Yeah, and I think the thing is, in the second half, they've, they've struggled, especially the third quarter. It almost seems like they lose momentum going into the locker room with Tampa Bay and then New Orleans getting a late drive, and then it, the, it just steadily goes downhill. I think a lot of it is, you know, having to make, having to make adjustments. Uh, Gus Bradley talked today about maybe they're adding too much onto the defensive plate. Do you try to adjust things? And uh, we'll see how it goes from there. Justin Herbert has done more than enough to uh, get a win, and it just uh, it hasn't happened. And I think the interesting thing with the schedule the rest of the way is this team's kind of used to playing 11 straight games because I think last year they played the first 11, had to buy, and then we had the uh, five December games. So they're kind of used to stretch of 11 straight games. But if any team needed an unscheduled buy to uh, get healthy, it's this one. You know, Fernando, you go back to 2017, this team was 0-4, and, and they kind of climbed themselves out of it. It was just too late, though. 9-7, and you still don't make the playoffs. Uh, Linval Joseph, I thought, was great today. Uh, he, he had that anecdote about when he was on the 2011 Giants. They lost four straight. They went to a Super Bowl. Uh, that's the type of message. You need veteran leaders, and I think going into this season, we're like, all right, Phillip Rivers is gone. Uh, who's going to be – that leader to step up. Brandon Meebane was a, a big leader on that defense. Uh, Limbaugh Joseph ha has been a really a breath of fresh air for this team. You know, what's interesting is that this team never lacks leadership. They do have leadership at every single position. You have the Casey Haywards. You have, uh, even though Derwin is injured, he, st he was still there yesterday. Uh, you have these guys that they, they've been there before. They know what, uh, what the team needs. And uh, guys step up in different places. Brian Bulaga on the offensive line. I know he's been hurt, but these guys step up. But Limbell has – I think he's been the most underrated signing of the of the team this offseason. The way he runs uh, – and I, that's what I was asking Gus today. I kind of mixed it up a little bit. But I didn't say that – I meant to say that Limbaugh, if the play goes one way, he, he'll track it down into the secondary. He'll run all the way down there, and he'll chase guys down, which is something you want to see from these guys. But, no, the, the veteran leadership is, I think, where the young – because the Chargers are also very young at, at crucial positions. They're very young at the quarterback position. So to have a guy, a veteran like Tyrod Taylor there kind of to help guide Justin, you have some other veterans to mix him up with uh, the young players. I, I think that's what's really going to – I think that's what we really need to see in these last uh, few games, in this games, to see if these guys can get back together and back on it, kind of the way they did in 2017. Can the leadership bring these guys together, and can the coaching bring it all together to really uh, go and make a run? Uh, because now it's seven, I think, seven playoff spots. Yeah, so that's right. They sneak in and grab one of those playoff spots. 
Yeah, if, if you're going to lose games, they lost three straight in the NFC South. Those are the games to lose, right? Now you have uh, the Jags, you got the Broncos, uh, you have the Raiders coming up, you have the Dolphins, you have the Jets. Uh, these are all games that uh, the Chargers – I don't know if you're going to be favored in every game, but but you should be able to handle a, a lot of these football games. And Jeff, I, I think with Mike Davis, he, he spoke uh, on Thursday. He seemed very focused, and he said something about, hey, listen, Russian cover has not been in sync. Getting Melvin Ingram back, getting Justin Jones back, just adding bodies to this defense. We saw, you know, Gus had to go really deep in the lineup on Monday Night Football. What impact do you think Melvin Ingram, Justin Jones are going to have really not only Sunday, but kind of moving forward here for this defense? Yeah, they're, they're, you know, they're starters and the, you lose starters. The next guy comes up like they always talk about, and that's great. But the next guy wasn't a starter. So you're there, you know, you're going to, there's going to be some, some effect. So yeah, this, you know, you mentioned Linville Joseph had talked about that, that season with the Giants when they won the Super Bowl, And he, he mentioned that, and during that, when they came back, they got a bunch of guys back. A bunch of guys got healthy and came back. And so that's kind of maybe what uh, what this team's looking at. And, you know, they could have a similar situation. It starts, it looks like, with Ingram and Jones. And when when they do make it back, it's certainly, uh, it, certainly going to make that defensive front uh, – it, it's going to put it back intact. And it's going to allow – the, those guys on the defensive side to rotate those linemen in like they love to do and try to keep people fresh. So I, I, it's like any of these, any of these guys that come back, they're all going to be important because your depth is, you, you know, their depth has been more than tested on this team. And so uh, both those guys will be, will be big additions when they, when they get back. And it, it, uh, it you know, it could be with the schedule, the way it is, you get guys back. It sort of seems like maybe it's coming together and I think that's one of the reasons why in that locker room, I'm sure there's a, a lot of optimism for a team that's lost four games in a row. I think the biggest shock to this roundtable was that I didn't start talking about Justin Herbert because I think that's all we've talked about the last month. <laughs> Listen, man, he's had so many impressive stats, records, whatever the last four games. But Joe Reedy, his passer rating on third down this season is perfect. Seven of nine. 173 yards, two touchdowns. A lot of people knocked Herbert, I think, coming into the draft process for like decision-making, going through progressions. Yet we're seeing this kid who looks like he's been in the league for five or six seasons. Just your overall impressions, Joe, of, of how he's played and if he can keep this up and sustain this success starting on Sunday. Blood's performance to me has been the, the shocking thing. You don't see – his rating on blitzes from rookie quarterbacks, especially these days where it's spread, you're playing out of the shotgun and def defenses are mainly playing nickel. You just don't see that from rookie quarterbacks these days. So that stood out, I think, as far as decision-making and spreading the ball. Six different people have caught touchdowns from Justin Herbert this year. Yeah which also shows the depth of these receivers. I mean, Keenan Allen was out and uh, Guyton and uh, the rest of the rest of that group came to the forefront in the Monday night game where that, you know, the receiver the receiver depth has been tested pretty good and has shown they've done well, especially with the youth that they've had. So I think that what he can do on the run, I think we saw a little more option game in Tampa, Tampa Bay and especially in the New Orleans game. And it seems like they've really got a grasp over these four games in the bye week with the playbook, just what his strengths and weaknesses are and what he can do. Fernando, we were talking about Joe Reed and K.J. Hill all offseason, deservedly so from what they did in college at, at Virginia and Ohio State. But how about Jalen Guyton, man? He's become like this Deshaun Jackson weapon for Justin Herbert. Tyron Johnson, uh, T. Billy, I think the fact that these guys really connected during training camp, you kind of seeing that spill over into the regular season. And for folks out there, remember, it's Joe Reed, not Joe Reedy. A lot of guys uh, get a chuckle out people of that. People get it confused, man. You know, <laughs> a lot of people call him Joe Reedy. It's Joe yeah, Reed. It's, it's awesome. Uh, but no, and that's what I asked Justin last week going into the bye week. Do you feel like working with the twos and threes really helped you develop a relationship with these guys going into the season? And I think it really did. I mean, those are the guys he was throwing to. I remember uh, during one training camp, Gilbert Manzano and I were standing there and I told him, like, hey, 83's got something. Like, 
yeah, no, he's not, he may not be uh, with the ones or the twos here, but he might have something. And I, I could notice that uh, Justin was just spreading the ball around during training camp. And you really see that there's just the guys like him and Jalen Geithner just coming out of nowhere. Jalen Guyton is making at least a uh, 30 to 40 yard reception every single game he's every made. Game. Yeah. So he's been very impressive. Uh, I remember last year against Jacksonville, he dropped one of those, uh, a long pass that Phillip threw to him. And he dropped it. And going into the season, I remember I was a little concerned about that. But this year, he hasn't dropped any of them. He's been perfect. He's caught them. I remember he told us he wanted to be the Dennis Rodman of uh, of the Chargers. So, hey, I mean, he kind of has been that. I remember in the Monday night game, he caught one over his shoulder and set him up right uh, on the goal line, basically, to, to set up a touchdown. So I've been very impressive with, with the way uh, just not only Justin has been able to kind of spread the ball around, because, uh, like you said, Keenan goes down. Mike Williams steps up, and the rest of the guys step up. Mike Williams is down. Uh, some of the other guys step up, and obviously Keenan steps up. But it, it's been a, not a revolving door, but it's been uh, a lot of different pieces have had to help. And these receivers have stepped up to the plate, and they have uh, been able to make plays. And it's just – you can tell that Justin isn't uh, afraid. Like, he trusts all of his receivers. He trusts all of his tight ends, which is honestly very good to see, especially in a rookie quarterback. You know, I talked about this earlier this week. I did a, a film room with Daniel Jeremiah. We do it every week. And uh, he was breaking down some of Justin's plays from New Orleans and the connections with Mike Williams, man. Like we are, I think we're just scratching the surface on what that duo could look like for the next, you know, five years or whatever. Because Mike was obviously hurt. But with Justin's arm and Mike's ability to really catch anything and, and make circus catches, I mean, that could be something that, uh, Chargers fans can look forward to for a long time. Thing is, though, Jeff, can Justin sustain this success? He's really kept the Chargers in a lot of these games. I think at some point the defense is going to have to pick him up. The running game is going to have to pick him up because it's just inevitable, man. Like, this is a rookie quarterback. Uh, we saw what he did against Drew Brees and Tom Brady. I don't think you can expect that reasonably every Sunday. No, I don't think so. And I in these other teams are they're seeing the same thing and they're going to come up with ways to to try to prevent that from happening and, and they're going to be successful because these guys are really good in the nfl and he's going to have to adjust and we that's what this league's all about but but you're right i you you know and i, I think joe said it i mean it, it's hard to even get your mind around the fact that justin herbert has played so well and they're zero and four like he he has had nothing to do with you know he he, he's played so well, exceeded all expectations. I mean, he's had some brutal turnovers that have, have led directly to, to some of these outcomes. But it, there's no reason for that. that. It shouldn't have come down to that. He, he, they wouldn't have been in these games without him. So you, you're right. They've, they've got to get – it's a classic thing you see in sports. They've got to get everything synced up where it's the, the offense is playing well and the defense is playing well. And they, and they just haven't been able to do that. The, the defense, especially the last couple of games, has had some – just significant breakdowns, especially in the second half, as Joe mentioned, they've blown these big leads. And I think that's one area that they didn't give up many points the first three weeks. And then the last two, two, two weeks have happened. The last two games have happened. And that's something that they've got to fix. But uh, they, uh, they certainly have their quarterback uh, of the future and they have their quarterback for right now. And it's just a matter of, 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 of trying to take advantage of how well he's playing and the things he's doing, because, uh, it isn't reasonable to think that he's going to have these these kind of great games every week. There's there's going to be yeah. weeks where he struggles, and he's going to need he's going to need the defense to to win for him too. So they they've got to get it all synced up. Yeah, Herbert looking for his first NFL win. Chargers looking for their first win at SoFi Stadium. All right, fellas, let's go around the horn. Give me your key to the game and a player to watch. We'll start with Joe Reedy. To me, it's it's going to be defensive pressure. I think Gardner Minshew, multidimensional, can run, throw it. Uh, the Uncle Rico of the NFL, per se, but he struggled. Um, Jackson. I don't know who that is, up. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, looks. Well, we got to explain that to Jeff later. Watch Napoleon Dynamite. Come on, Jeff. He can throw over the mountains over there. Come on. All right. I did, but I I do think. We've talked about the Chargers getting off the fast starts the past couple of weeks. Jaguars have gotten off the slow starts during your losing streak. So, you know, can both teams um, kind of uh, turn that around? And I think I think it's also which team is which team is desperate the most. Chargers 
don't want this to spiral out of control. The Jaguars, you kind of wonder right now, Doug Marone is a dead man walking his head coach. And, uh, you know, how much do they, how much do they play for him? I think the thing that's stunning to me is Jaguars. This is their 26th season. First trip to, uh, Los Angeles. But, yeah, uh, that's well, wild to me. I, I had to, I had to like double and triple check that because I, I think their, their first year in existence, the Raiders and Rams had already left. They just yeah. left. Yes. Right. So that's pretty wild. All right. Player to watch though, Joe. Jalen Guyton. Um, I think, you know, he, he wants to be called the Dennis Rodman of this team. To me, he's more like Vinny Johnson. He's more like the microwave and, uh, can instantly come on and, uh, warm things up. So if he can, uh, get by a uh, suspect J- Jacksonville secondary, hopefully a- another couple big passes. And, you know, we still uh, – Keenan's been limited, so who knows how much he plays. If you watch the, the last dance, I don't know if we need a Dennis Rodman on the Chargers, maybe going to Vegas impromptu. I don't know if we need that. <laughs> Fernando, <laughs> key to the game, player to watch. Uh, key to the game, Anthony Lynn is, wants balance on his offense. He doesn't want to put it all on his rookie quarterback. And, I mean, deservedly so. And like you guys said, it's about adjustment. So I think what they really want to do is run the ball. So I think they're going to need to run the ball well. Justin Jackson, uh, Joshua Kelly. I know that Joshua Kelly uh, – Josh, Justin Jackson ran the ball well in New Orleans. Uh, Joshua Kelly, I think, is still bouncing back from the two fumbles that he had uh, in consecutive weeks, Panthers and – uh, Tampa Bay uh, player to watch Joey Bosa Joey Bosa last year had two sacks against Minshew Mania he kind of he kind of uh, slowed down Minshew Mania so I, I'm gonna look for Joey who uh, is off the injury report he had three injuries going into the game against New Orleans uh, I'm, I'm sure he's healthy he's back to, uh, to I know you said he's never gonna be 100% again but I feel like he's gonna He's going to be good enough to get at least two sacks against uh, Minshew Mania this weekend. And if Jeff is the best-looking one on here, then I have the best set of hair on here. And it was told to me by primetime right. Deion Sanders. Those jeans are on point. <laughs> Jeff Miller, follow that up, buddy. Wow. Um, I don't even know what to say to any of that. Uh, I'm going to say that the key to this game is going to be to hold the freaking lead. I'm assuming the Chargers are going to get ahead. And the, they can't – they've got to get ahead. I think, you know, who knows where this Jacksonville team is going to be mentally. I mean, if the Chargers can get ahead early like they've done here, we've seen them do repeatedly, this is not – these aren't the Saints or the Buccaneers or the Chiefs. So you you got to believe if the Chargers can get ahead, there's a chance. I don't want to say the Jaguars are going to quit or anything, but they're, they're not loaded like uh, those other teams to come back. So – if, if they can get ahead, the, the key is just stay ahead. Don't, you know, don't fall back into those second-half meltdowns. And so I think that's going to be the key. And my player, I'm going to go a little bit off the radar a little bit, is Desmond King is going to do something one of these weeks. Mm. And I just have this, I'm going to say this is the week that he, he, he's going to score a touchdown. I'm just going to say it right now. So I think he'll do it somehow, maybe interception, maybe a, a kick return or something. But I, I, I think he's going to do something at some point. You know, he, he's just too good of a player. He, he's too explosive to, to not do something. He, he really hasn't done, done much. He hasn't had a whole lot of chances in some of these games, but he, he's due to, to do something. So he's going to be my, uh, my player to watch this week. I'm clipping it. I'm clipping it. If it happens, you're coming on the final drive. We're going to talk about it, and I'm going <laughs> to lead with that soundbite. I promise you that. Uh, my key is, is Fernando's key. It's running the football, and my player to watch is Justin Jackson. On first down, they got to get – larger chunks of yardage uh, you know you had to get four six yards put Justin Herbert in manageable situations on second and third down when this team runs the football they're successful and you look at Jacksonville they gave up 180 yards to Detroit last week uh, the rookie from Georgia DeAndre Swift 116 yards so if the Chargers can run the ball maybe you get Brian Bulaga back as we take this we don't know but I, I just think that controlling the clock against a team like this and just taking some pressure off Justin Herbert so you don't feel like he has to score a touchdown on every play. Don't you got to get that sense sometimes in some of these drives that, you know, you get in third and long, Justin's just trying to make a, a huge play? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Yeah, I think he's – especially saw it like in the second halves here where they've – 
all of a sudden the other team comes back and now he's got to try to match with the, you know, in, in the last two weeks what Hall of Fame quarterbacks were doing. And he, he was able to do it in some of these cases. But uh, I think you're exactly right. He has not had many, uh, you know, not that there are relaxed kind of moments in the NFL, but he has not had a chance to really breathe, take a deep breath during a game because yeah. they, they've been up against it the whole time. Well, they need second and third manageables too. I th- think you look at their first down play success, it's it's near the bottom of the league. So, you know, they're getting maybe one to two yards on first down plays or loss of yards. I mean, Justin's been basically facing second and third and long for a long time. So that running game really needs to get going because you, you can't have your quarterback dropping back each player. We're going to see like – New Orleans again, where Herbert was pressured on six out of every 10 snaps. So they definitely, they definitely need some balance and uh, control on the clock in this game. And you don't want to get predictable too. You want your offense that, and that's why Anthony Lynn wants the run game. He wants the run game to open up the pass. So he doesn't want his offense to stay predictable and then and them know, Oh, Hey, on third down third and long, these guys are going to throw it. Oh, Hey. So I, I'm sure that that's why he wants to control the game. That's why he wants the run game to be, successful and like you guys have said like you have to open up the holes you have to get Justin uh, uh, Justin Jackson and, and Joshua Kelly going so that it's third and two third and three and you can do a lot of different things with that and then instead of it being third and 12 third and 10 and and Justin and everybody in the stadium everybody at home knowing that Justin Herbert is going to end up throwing the ball so I, I think that that's why it's so important for them to run the ball and I feel like Anthony has hit the nail on the head saying, hey, we want to run the ball. We want to run it successfully. And I feel like that's the way you help your rookie quarterback out uh, moving forward. You know, the blueprint is honestly his first drive. The first drive of his career where you tap him, I'll show you the starter. He goes 79 yards down the field. It, it, the rhythm of that drive, like that's what they need moving forward. So we'll, we'll see what happens on Sunday. Appreciate you guys joining us. We're, we're going to mix it up with this roundtable. I'm going to mix and match this thing all season long. We're going to have fun with it. Fernando, Jeff, Joe, appreciate your time, guys. Thank you, Chris. No problem. Thank, Thank you. you. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us. A big thanks to Joe, Jeff, and Fernando, Matt Money-Smith, and, of course, James Lofton. And thanks to you guys for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the Chargers Podcast Network, wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll see you after the Chargers and Jaguars game on the final drive presented by Microsoft Surface. Tune in. Win, lose, or draw. We'll be there. Have a great weekend. And until next time, I'm Chris Hayward.